welcome to This Is Whole Life. This is episode 274, and I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to start off and we're going to have a little transparency moment here, is that Randy, I, I'm not really sure what to do with all this. We'll, we'll just go with that. And I think that the message we heard this past week was fantastic. I think the interactive part of it bolstered so many good ideas and so many positive things that I want to believe are so true. And yet there's a part of me that has still conflicted. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're going to talk it through today. And joining us for the first time in a couple of weeks, we've had some technology issues. We've had scheduling issues. Welcome back, Jeff Sinkamani. Oh, it's good to be here. Excellent. Good to be back. He heard that you yeah. had some conflicting feelings, so he decided to come back and <laughs> let you lay down on the couch, and uh, you can go ahead and let that out. He'll, uh, you have a trained counselor here ready for you, Randy. <laughs> well, you know, you, you've teed that up. I'm going to you first, Jeff, but first off, I want to give a shout-out to Crossing Guard Don. I'm sorry I don't know your last name. Crossing Guard Don. Crossing Guard Don works at a crossing, ah, you know, Crossing Guard, over at Lake Brantley High School. And the other day, my daughter was leaving Lake Brantley High School. She is in the marching band. First period. <laughs> Dad loves the fact that it's first period. Oh, yeah. 7.15, get that girl up and out of bed. Go there get him, kiddo. Anyway, she's crossing, and she had her AirPods in, and the crossing guard asked her what she was listening to. And she said, a podcast. And he said, what podcast? And she said, this is whole life. And he said, oh, I listen to that podcast. What? And she's like, what? no way. Yeah, right? And she's like, no way. And so he's like, let me see the artwork. So she flipped around. He's like, yeah, I listened to that. So Crossing Guard Don, welcome to our show. I don't know how long you've been oh, listening. Wow. I don't know your affiliation, how you found us. Maybe you're a Sevy in the greater Orlando area somewhere or somewhere near and dear. I mean, if you're a member, please identify yourself. would love to, <laughs> to shake your hand and meet you. And one of these mornings, I'm just going to walk with Ellie to school and just say hello. Because the I'm only curious. thing that's not going to cha- change is we will always call you Crossing and Guard Don because that's that yeah. that can't go away. That's that's a good that's a good radio name right there. That is Sorry, a, Don. Yeah. You remember all those old radio yeah. shows where people would call in? They'd have all those handles that they would yeah. like. Yeah, yep. calling in right now from uh, down by Lake Brantley. We have Crossing Guard Don. Don, what do you think? <laughs> Chopper Dave, am I getting to work yeah, today yeah, exactly. or not? Right. So yeah, Love that's that stuff. a that's a great nickname. So, all right. Well, in the course of this, this week was our second installment in a series called Great Question, and I love the fact that we get to you guys get to throw questions because usually that's my job, but you guys have gone above and beyond with these questions, and we basically got down to the question of. Grace versus merit. Can we do this outside of God's realm? And is this something that we can do in our daily lives? With that, if you go back and look at the message, you can find it on YouTube and you can find it on Facebook, find it on our website. 14 14 or 15 questions we did in a survey. Yeah, 14. That we did in real time. And what I noticed was, because I listened to first, watched second, and the numbers, even though the number of respondents like tripled between them. Our, our numbers stayed pretty much the same within a couple percentage points yeah. across the board. So I was a little surprised that with more, we didn't get a little bit more variance, but it you know seemed like everyone was pretty much seeing the same thing. It's an interesting uh, research thing that you discover that there's, there comes a certain point where it doesn't matter how many more you get, you have kind of achieved what you're going to get. And Jeff, so my question to you was, was there any surprises to you? And I don't know if you saw the questions beforehand or if you were a... 
a Sabbath morning, Saturday morning only as seeing those questions and results. Anything surprise you in those, just being that you sit with people and a lot of those questions contain family dynamics and employer dynamics, which I'm sure must come up in what you do when you meet with people. And just wondering if there was any surprises to you there. That's an interesting question um, because they did. They did sort of surprise me. And I think they surprised you can a little bit. Oh, what gave that away? <laughs> <laughs> Go back and watch the sermon and you, you'll, you'll understand where that comment comes from. You know, you sometimes wonder if, can it, I think you mentioned it in second service. I'm not sure if you mentioned it in the first service. I don't remember, but I, I wonder if they felt like we were taking their names down and their wives or husbands <laughs> are watching. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of saw, I could just kind of feel as I was thinking about it, I could see somebody just sitting there trying to fill this thing out on their phone with their uh, spouse looking over their shoulder at what the answers are. Um, I took mine while of... I was making it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I didn't have anyone looking there over my go, shoulder. There we go. But did you find anything that you thought was particularly interesting or maybe surprised you? Well, first of all, I think at a at a, an initial glance, and it's even, you know, and I'm sure because Ken works with couples as well, usually vulnerability just doesn't fly off the lips, right? We don't just we don't just state it right away. And so I think sometimes in a survey like that, um, not knowing exactly what you know the outcome or what they're you know planning to do with this information, I think everybody stays pretty safe. And I think that's what we got was a lot of safe safe responses. Um, even if they were anonymous, I think people, for the most part, don't want to be, in a sense, uh, in a in too vulnerable of a mode right away. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one. Of, it's you know the survey was vastly unscientific. What? <laughs> it was a for fun kind of survey. Just and and I think we kind of got some for fun answers to it. And so, sure. but yeah, I think that people. I don't want to say that anybody was lying, but I think people were stretching right. the truth a little bit on it. Giving themselves or their significant others or their parents uh, you know, that's the benefit the, of the doubt? Or? That was the part that kind of surprised me. I kind of expected people to give themselves um, some extra grace, if you will, in that survey. Right. But I was a little bit surprised that they. it felt to me like there was a lot of extra grace given to their, their parents and to their, their uh, significant others. Yeah. yeah. I was curious about that because <laughs> my first question <laughs> after all of this was like, we all know that whether it be in a marriage, in a relationship, parental dynamics, family dynamics, grace is always harder than merit because merit is just like you said you were going to blah, 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 and but you didn't do any of it except blah. So what happened, right? It's just easy to keep a check mark and keep a list and go, you know, I'm going to get to that thing they asked me to do as soon as they get to what I've asked them to do or whatever the case may be. And so I'm like, I'm looking at these numbers and I'm going, this can't be right. This, this, <laughs> this can't be right because I, unless, and this could totally be, you know, Randy's an odd guy. And so maybe, maybe I'm just the one out here solo going, <laughs> man, I, I, why, how do you guys do it? You guys are awesome. Yeah, sit down and give me a, your master class on how you're pulling this off, right? <laughs> well, and that's what, you know, maybe that's what today's podcast is about is to teach me a little it's like bit. Like I said, Randy, just go ahead. We brought a couch into the studio. <laughs> yes. and you just go ahead and lay down. Just lay down. And, uh, just lay down. Jeff is going to solve all your problems for you. <laughs> so, oh, no. So the question then really to me becomes, and yeah, we all probably are guilty of fidging a little bit. We're like, you know, yeah, I 
it could be a six or a nine. I mean, it's close. It's only three. I mean, does that right. real right? Is there a Zen balance? Zen, I don't know. Maybe that's the best word. Is there a is there a perfect balance? Is there a good balance? A Zen balance between grace and merit? If not, is it is just grace just the one hundred percent answer? Is there some place in the middle? Where, where do we? And in each situation is different. But even let's just say in our personal, let's leave out work, let's leave out the rest. Even just in our personal relationships, is there a balance between these that that is optimal? You know, it was really funny because I, as I'm, I know I wrote the the little uh, quiz, if you will. But I think that I I wrote it and I would have answered it a little bit differently had I not written it and then actually sat and thought about my answers. I mean, I really thought a little bit about this, and you know, one of the issues, you know, I grew up very much in a do this, don't do that mm-hmm. kind yep. of atmosphere by great parents. So don't, you know, mom, I love you. I know you're listening. <laughs> Um, I gave you a 10, so just so you know, so um, grace-based all the way. But in all seriousness, I definitely kind of grew up, in, and and I think my kids, if they were honest, would say that they also grew up a little bit uh, on the side of do this, and if you do this, then then we're proud of you, we're happy with what you're doing. If you don't do this, then it, it really scares your parents, we're upset, we're, as parents, we're, we're feeling distraught that you're making bad decisions. And so I think that a lot of us probably grow up a little bit more than we think in a merit-based system where we really kind of understand that if we if we don't toe the line, if we don't do it, there might not be punishment for us, but it might cause distress to the people around us that we care about. And so on that basis, we kind of behave uh, because we don't want to cause distress to people we love or care about. And yet that's still a bit of a merit-based thing, isn't it? It's it's Absolutely, it, it's, yeah. it's uh, do this and that won't happen. I find myself when Rochelle will say, hey, Ken, why didn't you do this? I find myself saying, but I did this, this, and this. <laughs> How can you say that, you know, I did this, 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 and so I list off all the things rather than saying, oh, that bothered you. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I realize now I didn't do them in the correct order. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I did, I did the list that I wanted to do. Well, and isn't it weird how we put that in place and we can think that that is like, I don't know why anybody would be upset. I mean, I I took some names while I was doing this stuff. And then it's like you really find out, oh, but that was the one that was most important to you. And I goofed. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, and then there's the but you syndrome. Yeah, yeah. but you. Oh, yeah. Hey, can you put your uh, <laughs> dishes in the dishwasher? Yeah, but you didn't. I mean, you know, and, and we just kind of go on with that sort of thing. So I think that if we were honestly to get every person that answered that survey, sit them down in a room with Jeff and to do some, you know, long-term <laughs> counseling with them, I think we might have a different, you know, a different count after we really stopped and thought things through a little bit. Okay. Well, I think we have to give – you know, we have to give them a little bit of a break because I do think that for the most part, a lot of times, especially when it comes to these kinds of questions, we're not sure what latitude we're we're actually, in other words, in a, even in a couple of sessions with somebody, and you will know this, and even in a first conversation, nobody's trusting the people that are asking the questions quite no. to the to the point of being yeah. able to be that vulnerable. No, that's fair, Jeff. Thank you for your grace that you're showing to everybody. <laughs> appreciate, appreciate, appreciate you bringing us back around. I was all off on that merit tangent, which is where I like to go. <laughs> well, the, the other question I had, Jeff, was, you know, when we start to realize this, and I, and I wish that there was more of a focus for grace, a, a verbal focus maybe, 
maybe a verbal focus and a realization that, you know what, if I actually choose grace as my default to the best of my ability, I'm not going to be perfect at it. But if I'm looking out and and I see that Ken is struggling with something and Ken's my friend and I say, instead of just waiting and going, you know, I bet if Ken needed some help, he'd ask me. Instead of me just saying, hey, Ken, looks like maybe you could use a little help. You know, is there anything I can do? And always like try to make that my focus. And I'm trying to look at any situation where I might be of service or even if it's just a prayer. And it took me a long time to even think in that vein. And I'm not saying now that I'm good at it, but I try to look at situations that way. What can we do to help people that maybe haven't and are just starting to realize if we try to just change our focus that way? And and I know part of that is just the closer my walk is with Jesus, it it starts to default that way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're talking about how how are we you know assertive in our grace even? You know? Yes, yes, exactly. And so I I do think that sometimes and. Ken could probably speak well to this regarding, you know, even as pastors, sometimes we're given a bit of a, a path, free pass. Oh, you're the pastor. You can ask a question like that. <laughs> or you're a pastor. You you are able to come in. I'm not going to feel prideful about somebody coming in to help me and so forth. But, you know, all of us are asked in a way to to be that person that is that, like you said, is willing to ask those questions. I think that's the, the nice thing about a, a community of grace is we are able to be that assertive in our communities. It's just sometimes I don't think our motives are correct. That's all. I like how you said sometimes. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. saying. Well, the I think the, the maybe the thing that stuck with me the most from this message and was – Ken said the idea of us together versus us competing has some merit to it. Being in it together versus me being better than you. You said, I don't think that was rewarding mediocrity. I think it was going that extra mile, caring about the bigger picture. Why does it bother us so much when somebody else gets something that's good for them? And I felt like right there, that is what, that's where this all came together for me because why does it – we have preconceived ideas about who other people are, who we are even. I don't think we're always honest with ourselves about you know who the people that we are. But why aren't we cheering when something like that happens to somebody else? Is that strictly a result of just being merit-focused? Is that a sign that we are so locked into this person deserves this, I deserve this, or this isn't fair because life isn't fair? And, and how does that play into this whole idea of grace versus merit? Because I think if we're if we're coming to it from that, we're never going to see anything but merit. If we're going to be if we're going to be fair, I think it just comes down to that human uh, idea that resources are scarce, hmm. scarcity, and <laughs> and so we feel the need to compete for what we believe to be scarce resources. And so if, if another person gets, uh, using the, the parable of the vineyard owner, you know, if I work all day long and I get paid a, a fair day's wage, but Randy works only one hour and he receives an entire day's fair wage, at some point isn't that owner going to run out of money? 
and then I'm not going to get paid because didn't Randy take up something that and wouldn't and if I did did something don't I deserve more resources than Randy did and so it comes down to the truth of it is it comes down to selfishness doesn't it most of the time it comes down to me needing or thinking that I need something more that it's not okay for Randy to to do better or to have more yeah. if he hasn't worked as hard as as I believe that he should have worked for it you know one of the things I didn't talk about in the sermon but this to me the, the one, and I I think I want to come back and do a whole series on on Jesus parables because they're just so fascinating but this particular parable I think people really miss the point of it what happens here Whenever you get this, hear this story, what the focus is, the generosity of the vineyard owner about how he's generous with his money. Yeah. But I think what we miss is that he's generous also with his gift of work. In other words, we always view the, the reward as being the financial payoff at the end of it. But what if the real reward was the people being able to work in the first place? What if that's the true reward in this whole thing? Because you think about it, this guy goes out first thing in the morning. He finds some people to come work in his vineyard. Then he goes out at various times during the day and finds more and more people. One of the things we have to kind of put ourselves in the those times and recognizes that if you didn't get a paycheck for a day, you didn't get to eat for a day. That was kind of the way it was. Your family wasn't going to eat. You weren't going to eat. You might not have a place to stay. There are all kinds of ramifications for it. We don't, there wasn't like the social safety net that we, that we get to enjoy here in the United States. That's not what was realistic. So um, yeah. what do you think was happening for all those people who are work, wanting jobs in the market but nobody was hiring them. That's what they get. What when he says, "Why aren't Why aren't you working?" They said, "Nobody would hire yes, us." Yeah. What do you think those people were doing all day long? Do you think that they were seeing the market going, <laughs> "Yeah, I got out of work today." Do you think that they thought that they were going to get a fair day's way, a full day's wage at the end of it? No, they didn't. No. And what what they were seeing there, I guarantee it, they were seeing there terrified about how they were going to feed, feed their, their children, how they're going to feed their spouse. They spent that whole day in worry and fear, and that guy was generous to show up and give them the opportunity to work. The people who worked out in the field all day long, you know what they had the gift of? Peace the whole day long. They had it all day long. And and at the end of the day, they got what had been promised to them. And these other people who had worried all day long got to take care of their families too. But the gift of work is not to be underrated. I don't know, Randy. I mean, I've been in positions where I was afraid that I wasn't going to have a job and I wasn't going to be able to take care of my family. And it's a terrifying feeling. Yeah, and and it, 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 it makes it hard to sleep. It makes it hard to concentrate because you're so worried. And I've never been to the point where I was worried that I wasn't where I was going to starve to death or my children were going to starve to death. But that's what the kind of situation that this these people were in. And so when we think about what we were cheering for here is these are not people that weren't wanting to work. These are people who right. wanted yeah. to work, and they and they worried all day long. And so I think that when we start looking at the grace that comes here, the grace is a, is a guy who went out and kept looking for people who wanted to take care of their family. Yeah. And then he, and, and then he helps them take care of their family in ways that, that must have been mind-blowing for them. They must have just—I mean, can you imagine after— Thinking, being there for an hour, thinking, well, at least I'll have, maybe I'll have enough to feed one of my children. Yeah, like and, I'm not going to have enough. I'm not going to have enough, but maybe one of my kids will get a little something to eat tonight. And then to be able to take home enough money to take care of the whole family, that was huge. Really stop and think about that because that you, you're right. It's not just, well, I, I, who would have expected the, the generosity 
of them just coming and not getting a full day and just going, man, I can't believe it took till two o'clock. I'm finally getting some work. You know, maybe like you said, enough for one. And then think about what we have today. <laughs> and a lot, I mean, I'm with you a lot. There's been times during Heather and I's marriage that, you know, it's like, well, mortgage month number two, here we go. Waiting, you know, either waiting to get paid, we're waiting yeah. for work, you're waiting for things. And it is terrifying. And I even thought about the the people that got the bonus and nobody got cheated because they got more. Nobody got cheated. Nobody got less. It wasn't like he said, well, yeah, you know, these guys showed up late and they need the money just as much as you do. So I'm just going to take this pot of money that I had set aside for today's work and I'm going to split it evenly among you. I gave you what I said I'd give you and I'm yeah. being fair. And the thing about it is, is then we treat God the same way, right? Like he's going to run out of resources <laughs> yeah. for us. Like if he gives something more to Jeff, that, that might take away from something that he can give to me. Come oh, on. Yeah. Come on. And again, we sometimes make the, the life outside of being in Christ as something wonderful. Oh, it wouldn't be fair for somebody to live, you know, live like crazy, you know, out there doing all the terrible things they're not supposed to do and then come in at the last minute and and God would save them. That's just not fair. We make it sound like the Christian life is like the worst alternative. (laughs) It's like, oh, that's not very fun, but at least if you do it, you get a good reward at the end. I think the Christian life is the reward, and I think heaven's a reward as well. But I think that the Christian—just living this life—I mean, think about the peace that people have that's different than when you're out there without Christ, when you're out there without God. I think that, that, that the reward is in living the life just as much as the idea of eternity. And people, yes. a lot of, people a lot of times will say, well, yeah, but that's a great – you have a great story. So do you. Yeah. I mean honestly, if you look – if you're one of those people, I've lived that other life. And sure, there are, you know, there are things that people say, well, that looks like fun. Like, sure, it was fun. But empty fun and fun in, in Christ and doing things and doing for others and living that Christian life to the best of your ability, that's something that you yeah. – that's something to be rewarded. That's something to be – to strive for. I had a kidney store. Kidney stone once. It's a great story. I would have been fine without it. I, if I'd never had that story to tell, it's, it preaches. It's a great story. Yeah. I, I don't, I have zero desire to have that. And there's other things in my life that are actually a lot worse than that. That They're yeah. a great story, but they're not, if I had it to do over, I wouldn't do it again. Coming soon to a bonus episode near you. <laughs> Ken and the kidney stone. See, I've already got it named. We're, we're down for that. That's yeah. awesome. Well, no, I, oh, go ahead, Jeff. I do think that's the hidden gem of this parable. I, I think that we fail to recognize the time spent with the, the vineyard owner. Mm. And I think a lot of times we get sidetracked in life, too, because whenever we, we don't either make enough or we don't make as much or we find ourselves, uh, you know, in a different social or economic strata and we start to think that our lives don't have meaning because of those measurements and that merit basically and i think that's the piece that christ is trying to say that's how his kingdom works is you're actually getting a whole lot more than just the idea of what you think wages mean to you i love this this idea of us together and rather than us competing and even just as a church community, I think when we yeah. when we get together, we have so many differences. There's so many things we can look at and and say everything from social hierarchy to tax brackets to all the things that we see on the outside that you go, you could be jealous or but man, I love the idea of celebrating somebody else's wins. Yeah. Even if you've had nothing to do with it other than just being a bystander, someone in my family won. 
I mean, if any one of your kids win, we're excited. Yep. If we win, we're excited. So why not for anyone else? I never understood yeah. that part. And yet sometimes we all feel that like, well, where's where's my win? And we don't realize maybe what's been avoided or what God has steered us into for a specific reason. And so I just I like that idea. And I, I hope that we hold on to that as a as a group and as a family of Christ followers that no matter what our differences are, to just know that each of us are cheering for each other and have each other's back, that's that's huge. All right, let's get to our questions. We had a ton of them. This is from Johnny, J-O-N-N-I-E. Question is, is being grace-based looking to a standard beyond ourselves and our own judgment? Kind of like looking at the clock with a standard outside of ourselves instead of subjective judges. Maybe I should stop trying to hammer those two topics together. What do you think? I'm going to go with yes. I think uh, it is. It's, it's yeah, God's I think standard. It is. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's ours. I, I don't think we can actually create, uh, especially, you know, in terms of grace, we have to learn from God. So it has to be a standard higher than our own. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I like that. All right. The next one is, is it possible to have a both merit-based and grace-based relationship? If so, what does some examples of that look like? I think that probably um, um, a lot of different relationships that you're in look like that, that there's a a certain amount of merit and grace that get mixed together in those relationships. What I would refer you back to, though, is that study that I shared about from the uh, Yale professor who who did that study. And what what we know is this, is that I think it's impossible in the world that we live in to not have some sort of merit-based outcomes. Uh, You know, whether it's a paycheck from work, you know, uh, my boss says, if I don't work, I don't get it. So I'm pretty sure that's, you know, a little bit merit-based and I'm working in a Christian organization. And it's maybe not unfair that I should have to work to to get a paycheck. But with all that being said, I think that what we want to really strive for is to, as much as possible, ruthlessly eliminate that being the reason why, the, the why for what we do. And, and help others eliminate that being the reason why. Because when we—if you remember that research, what she found was, was that when people uh, went into West Point with both a—basically an extrinsic and intrinsic, um, or what she would call the—with uh, the extrinsic, the um, instrumental value, basically. When you go in with both of them, the, the idea is that you think, oh, it's going to be twice as good because I've got twice the motivation to do this. And what she found out is actually harmed you to have the two. That what really motivates people, what really causes people to be able to achieve is when they have intrinsic motivations Motivation. for what they do. Yeah. yeah, I think with parents, I just want to add this really quickly, parents who struggle with this because you know, you, you do set up, I mean, and basically intrinsic or ex, external, um, there's still transactions that take place. And I think sometimes what, what you know, I'm sure we all hear is not just the level of, of how we view merits or rewards and so forth, but the level of acceptance that goes along with it, whether we uh, you succeed or not. And I think that piece needs to be put in there as we think about parenting, especially. And I mean, yeah, you, you want your kid to succeed, but there's also uh, there's also blessings and really huge benefits in failing too. So, yeah, I have a special needs kid. 
yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll realize how much merit and how much grace uh, you're yeah. willing to extend to each. And that's been a part of our journey that is it's, – it's a constant struggle because you've got – Ellie is just an overachiever. She's smart. She just – things come to her pretty – she gets mad when things don't just fall in her lap. So that's the – that was kind of the reason we did our half marathon. We needed to do something that was hard that took something that she wasn't good at and we made it go to the end and, <laughs> and do the whole part. And it was very hard. You know, even you know for me, I, it was a difficult task and yet her sister constantly reminds us that we are so much more grace-based than we've ever been and it's all because of her because – she does what she does. She does it to the best of her ability and your expectations become way more grace than merit. And so as we've talked about this and this has kind of been – this is why I couldn't find a direction to go to in, in, for so long uh, since the message. But Jeff, I wonder if you'd agree with this. But I, my my feeling is that what what I often see is that parents are very lax when their children are young. They're a lot more grace-oriented when the children are young. And then as they get older, they become more – merit-based, do this, don't do that, and we get more concrete, where I really think it has to be flipped. When when kids yeah. are younger, you yeah. want to be very concrete and very, I wouldn't say necessarily merit, I think there's got to be grace there, but a lot more concrete with what you do. And the older they get, the more you need to be letting go and letting them kind of take the training wheels off the, the bike. Yeah. And if they're going to fall, they're going to fall. You know, from when our kids turned 13, they were they were shocked because I remember getting um, – we, we were very strict about what our kids watched and didn't watch um, when they were young, very strict. And I remember my daughter being over at a friend's house for a sleepover, and it was kind of one of the, thing, one of the first or second times we'd really allowed that to happen. She was in her teens. And she called home, and she said, hey, they're watching something I don't think you guys would be okay with. And, and I said, <laughs> okay. And she said, well, what do I do? I said, well, what do you what do you want to do? I don't feel like I should watch it, but you don't want me to watch it, right? So I just go tell them that you don't want me to watch it, right? I said, mm-hmm. no. I said, that's <laughs> not at all. I said, that's this is your choice, Kyla. You get to choose what you want to do on this. If you feel like um, you want to watch it, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to be upset at you, and I'm not I'm not going to be disappointed in you. It's your choice to yeah. make. And what we've discovered with our children is that the more we loosen up our grip on them, the better they perform. But I think a lot of that came from because early on yeah. we had strong expectations. And now when it's up to them, they're like, well, okay, but this is what we're going to do. Train up a child. I think, you know, and I can't say like, I think that we're, you know, I think Rashawn and I are very fortunate. And I think that it doesn't, I think you can do all the right things and your kids can make decisions that are definitely not the ones you want them making. So I don't pretend like we're some paragon of parenting or anything. But (laughs) what what I do think is that it's really important when kids are young to really be careful about what you're doing and use that opportunity to really show what you want. Then as you get older, as they get older, really trust them. Yeah, and and yeah. let them and let them make yeah. the mistakes if they're going to make them. I, I would rather my child. Um, there are movies that I watch with my child that I want to watch with them, not because I think I want them watching it, because I know they're going to watch it with somebody else, and I'd rather be in the room to discuss it with them while they're yeah. watching it. Great. Yeah, I think that's that's really important is to have, and we all you know from time to time with those of us that are parents we realize that the boundaries that they had at you know at one age they do get they do get negotiated right uh, to a different boundary but 
but that whole piece of acceptance and saying, like, like you said, Hey, let's, let's talk about this. Let's process it when you get home. Yeah. I, I wish parents would do more of that than holding the line. I mean, mm -hmm. we need to hold the line because there's a sense of, a, you know, a security in that and kids need those kinds of things, but we also need that dialogue. So. I resonate with what you just the story you just told about Kyla and uh, Ellie. If you're listening, I'm sorry. I'm going to tell your story, tell a little story on you. But this year we enrolled her uh, for band and marching at Lake Brantley High School. Well, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Right, Friday night is football games, mm -hmm. so there's going to be a Sabbath issue. And so it's been back and forth. What you know, mom feels one way, and dad feels a way, and daughter feels a way. Mm -hmm. And so we went last week. And uh, shout out to the Pominowskis for coming out and supporting us on our first night on Wisconsin. Sounded so good. So did Star Wars, <laughs> by the way. Um, and she did great. She looked great. She had fun. And so we were going to stay till halftime. And then she'd already talked to Coach about it. And then she ended up staying. So, you know, Heather was a little hesitant and worried. And it's 10 o'clock on a Friday night. Ellie's not home. I don't like it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really like it either. And when I picked her up, I said, so how was it? She's like, man, it was so much fun, Dad. When they called us out onto the field, oh, man, and people cheered. That was great. And when they called us out, I was like, oh, it was so great. And then she's like, but then sundown came. She's like, it wasn't as much fun anymore. Hmm. And I'm like, why not? She's like, well, I wasn't home. And it was a Sabbath. And so, you know, I'm, I didn't have, I just didn't have fun. I'm like, well, what does that tell us, <laughs> right? Like, what is what what is that telling your conscience? You've been thinking about what you're going to do. There's going to be away games, home games. Sundown keeps getting sooner, and coach has already said it's not a problem. You know, we have other kids that have done this, not a big deal. We just do X, Y, and Z. No, oh, you know, we can make this work. But to see them make that decision, but like you, early on, it was we were very regimented. We've always been regimented about what to watch and what to do. But, but how much more powerful is it for her to come to her own decision on this? Exactly. I mean, because when you tell her, no, this is not going to happen, you're not going to do this, at some point she's she's going to get to make those kind of decisions. Right. How much more powerful for you to be around while she's making those decisions? And I think that sometimes we just don't trust our children enough to make the right decision. Yeah. And and we, we coerce them into making a decision that's not their own. And when it's not their own, then it doesn't stick. Right. And it may take longer than just the first decision to get to that point. Ellie, I know you're listening. And I'm proud of you, girl. I'm super proud of you. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, let's see. We have two more. Jahami. So the question was just who is grace and law and why? And then Stanley asked him to kind of expand on it. And he said, personhood or principality of grace and discipline. Jesus is grace and he is law. And I think that what what we have to recognize is that Jesus was the giver of the Ten Commandments. He was the giver of the law. What was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law was to help people live their best life in relationship to God, in relationship to others, to find peace, to find happiness. What Jesus also said and proved in his life was that for human beings, that just isn't going to happen. Uh, Jesus lays out these impossibles. He said, you're breaking the law if you do this, and, and these these huge high bars. Who can do that? Yeah. I finally watched the final episodes of The Chosen, mm. Randy, and, mm. and there's, a, mm. there's a segment where uh, where Jesus says to one of his disciples, you know, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, then you're committing adultery. And the disciple goes, but 
than everybody's. And Jesus goes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's, that's the point is that what God is asking us to do, what he's laying out for us is some boundaries that he wants us to be able to live within. And yet what he's also done is he's given us his son who is grace as well to make up for what we're going to be deficient because we are. We're just Absolutely. we're going to be deficient. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a really good take on it. Probably the, the best way of saying is words are words, and Jesus is above that. So he is. So if we're going to say grace is Jesus, we need to say we need to say it from the standpoint of grace is a word, and Jesus is the is the is the embodiment of grace and the law. Yeah. A last question. How can we extend grace to the unvaccinated? Calvin Weiss wants to know. Um, <laughs> I think that's wow. – uh, if there's anything that will cause fistfights right now, right it's, now that's this it. is that topic, yeah. isn't it? If, yeah. you are, if you are unvaccinated, you have for some very strong reasons for being unvaccinated. You've thought – I really – a lot of the people who are unvaccinated that I've talked to – um, have really thought through why they don't want to be. And I'm not, I encourage everybody to get vaccinated. That's something I happen to believe in. I think that people ought to do it. I think it's a good thing. And with that said, I also recognize that I have friends who are choosing not to be vaccinated who have thought it through and they have equally strong reasons for why they're not wanting to do it. They've, they've thought it through, they've, they've, they've come up with their reasons. For me, it's a hard one to understand why not. Um, even after hearing the reasons. But I also think that we have to have grace in the same way that if you ever come to a conclusion that kind of goes against the grain of everything, everybody else's where they're going, I think we have to have a respect for those people as well. And what I think right now is missing in the world is that grace for each other, for the people who really strongly believe in vaccination like I do. Um, I think there has to be grace for those who strongly believe in not being vaccinated and, and vice versa. And we need to be a lot more kind to each other, listen a little bit better, and and uh, really try to understand what's going on in each other's minds rather than um, being frustrated. At the same time, I can kind of understand where that question is coming from. And uh, like I said, I, I have people who are uh, in my family who are very close to me that I love very much who who feel – very strongly about not being vaccinated. We've had very colorful conversations about it, and uh, and neither one of us had our ch minds changed. But <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really important part. I think we all owe it to each other to have a conversation with people, and in a in a very sane manner. I think we, as as, as a community, get a chance to do that, and. Um, I would like to ask a question to that question, though, and that is how, you know, in a community like this, how do we go ahead and say that grace is a higher priority than uh, than the safety, uh, you know, and how we view safety? Because people are on both sides of that coin in terms of what safety means to them. And so I think a bigger question is, let's be able to provide the grace, but also let's have our conversation about what it means for me to have empathy and safety with with my neighbor. And, I, and I'm not sure that I don't think safety is above grace. And I don't think that that um, 
my ability to have my own comfort and so forth is above grace. So I think as we have these conversations, I think empathy along with the grace provides that. And I don't think a lot of us really move into empathy very quickly. It's hard to feel grace for somebody that you feel like is forcing you that that you feel like is hurting you in one way or another. For those who are unvaccinated, there is a feeling that society is forcing them to put something into their body that they aren't comfortable putting into their body, that they don't feel good about, that they feel like that that's not right, that it's it's not whatever. On the other side of the the fence are the people who who have been vaccinated like myself who – are saying, but you know, <laughs> you know, if if everybody would just vaccinate, we could be done with this whole thing, um, and and move on. And so there's that conversation that has to go back and forth. And I think it's a lot more important to be kind and to listen and to try to hear than it is to try to be to shout over top of the other person. And yeah. and yeah, you know, for sure. Um, and what I find happens in this is that we often go into this conversation trying to change the other person's mind versus trying to understand the other person's mind. And and there is a huge difference between the two of them. And until you understand somebody, there's very little chance that they're going to change. Um, and even when they, you do understand them, there's a good chance they're not going to change. But do you love them and do you care about them? And do they matter to you? As this pandemic stretches on and on, it is the most painful thing to me. Uh, it's painful for me to watch people die, but it's also very painful for me to watch the living be the opposite of love that we see in First Corinthians 13, where we see each other just throwing away patience, long-suffering. Uh, we, we just see those things being tossed out. Uh, relationships that have been close for years and years that suddenly cease to exist uh, um, over some of the issues that we're we're talking about. And um, to me, there's something very unchristian about that. You know, it kind of goes back to our first question in a way, the issue we were talking about even with the parable, and that is that we sometimes look at all of us want our freedoms, whatever that may go into. And we, we look at equality uh, differently when we see it as for ourselves. But I think there's a bigger picture, and I think you're right. I think the, this community, this, this quotient of love that God tells us to have for all people, even those we consider to be our enemies or who consider us to be their enemy. And I think it's important at this stage of the game that we create maybe some, yeah, maybe we do have some, you know, we say, okay, here's here's how we're going to try to make this work for everybody. But it is frustrating. It is frustrating. And But, hey, pandemics are not meant to be comfortable. And uh, we're in the middle of one. So, Yes, we are. Yeah, a lot of people are tired, and that doesn't usually equate into loving conversations between people no. on a subject like that. But that's uh, it's definitely tough. All right. But well, we are asked to love. We, we are. are asked. Yeah. We are. Well, there you go. Not every day does our recording stop in the middle of a sentence, but today, for some reason, 
It just did. So here I am. It is, oh, about midnight on Wednesday morning, and I am at the end of this episode. I'm ready to finish it up, and our final statements were gone. So to finish the thought that we were going through at the end, no matter what side you're on, so many things about this pandemic have just never completely meshed, and things are always changing. And there's so many things that we can't predict, things we thought we were past. And all of this just to say that no matter what side we're on, Jeff at the very end said, you know, we are challenged to love and we have to find a way to do that no matter what our differences are throughout the pandemic or anything else. And as we looked at our one of our whole life reflections it asked, what are some practical steps you can take to show grace at work and at home to our vaccinated, unvaccinated, or a- any situation that you can put yourself in where you feel that animosity maybe towards someone or you know that they feel it towards you? And how can we forgive and we can love and be better together as a community so that we know that we're safe, we're celebrating each other, and we know we have each other's back? So. As always, let us know, 407-965-1607. That can be a voicemail or text message, which are both anonymous, or send us an email to podcast at wholelife.church. I just want to say a special thank you. That was a unique conversation that we had, and it was very heartfelt. There was a lot of emotion going on in the room, and it's a touchy topic. But Calvin, thank you for that question, because... Difficult conversations are something that we should not steer away from. And so thank you for asking that question. So our final thoughts were from the closing to Ken's message where he said, while it is the more difficult path, extending grace at work, home, and all aspects of our life is far more likely to get the results we desire than a merit-based system. And that's something that we can hang our hat on, something where we know to be true and something that... We know that it's never going to be easy, but man, extending that grace to each other just makes us a closer-knit community and it allows us to continue our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. All right, next week, great question number three. Now, this is a two-part question. Part one, how do we as a church stay focused on Jesus when so many in our denomination believe that our mission is to fixate on major doctrinal issues, political hot potatoes, and or cultural preferences? Now, that's enough all in itself, I'm pretty sure. But the second part is, part two, as someone not raised Seventh-day Adventist, I have embraced the warmth and freedom I have found at Whole Life Church. However, I have heard that our church is different from other Adventist churches. What am I missing if this is not the norm? So, Ken has his work cut out. Thank you guys for these amazing questions that we've had to tackle and the questions that we've had to tackle from the Q&A during the services. And that is going to do it for this week. We, again, had a little technical difficulty. So uh, thank you for staying a little bit long, a little bit longer than normal. That's going to do it for episode 274. Looking forward to next week and 3.1 and maybe 3.2 if we're going to answer both of those questions. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great week.